You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. Reading from Galatians 5, verses 16 through 26. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit... Let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Word of the Lord. Thank you, Jeannie. Okay, this morning we are in the second part of a, like a mini-series inside of a much bigger series. The series is uh, on the Holy Spirit, um, and I'm talking to you right now about walking in the Spirit, or living in the Spirit. Um, and so I want to continue from, from last Sunday. Obviously, these are the same Scripture passages that we used uh, last Sunday. Um, and I'm not going to rehearse a whole lot today because of the format of our service today. We don't have a lot of time left. Uh, but just uh, suffice it to say that uh, last week we talked really a lot about this thing of walking in the Spirit. And, of course, that means living in the Spirit or living a life in the Spirit um, and how that, that needs to line up with God and with God's Word and with truth. Uh, and that it's very, very important for you and I that we are uh, walking the talk, so to speak, that we are living out of what we proclaim. We are the epistles. We are the living epistles of God. We are the messengers of God. We are the life of God uh, in the community, in the city, in the world. Uh, and so it's really, really important that we are walking in the Spirit and not in our own flesh. Um, and we, we will at some point parse out some of these fruits and refer to them all along in the series. Um, but we want to we want to say to you that it's very, very important that you and I are living according to the Spirit and not the flesh for the purposes of being prepared to be used for God, all right? That you and I are becoming vessels of honor, all right? That is not always an instantaneous thing that happens. Obviously, you get saved instantaneously, um, and, and when you are saved, you receive the Spirit of, of the Lord. Uh, you are set apart at that point. Uh, but sometimes it's like buying a house. Sometimes you buy a house and you close the deal immediately, but sometimes that house needs a little work. So you've got to go do some painting or uh, pull up some carpet or replace the plumbing or there's just things that have to be done. And some of that takes a little bit of time to do. So we're not talking about that 
uh, when you walk in the door and you say, all right, I'm going to follow Jesus, that we hold a set of laws in front of you and we make demands of you, all right? But what we say is there is an ability to overcome the flesh and begin to live in such a way that, that as you are walking in the Spirit, you are conforming more and more and more to the image of Jesus Christ. And in so doing, becoming more like Him, you become more effective and you become more usable to God, all right? And so we believe that as you are growing and as you are maturing and as sanctification is not only instantaneous but progressive, uh, that as that work is going on, uh, the gifts begin to be activated in your life. And as they do, you're able to be used more and more by the Lord. And that's what we want to sort of focus on right now is, is this work of the Holy Spirit. We talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We talk about the functions of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to keep talking about those for a number of Sundays going forward here leading up to Easter. Um, but right now we want to focus on this idea because we think this is so important at, at the beginning uh, to kind of set this order. And that is that, that it is absolutely essential that you are living in the Spirit and that the fruit of the Spirit is evident in your life before you are functioning in these gifts of the Spirit, all right? The gifts of the Spirit need to be driven and informed by love. It's absolutely essential that love drives the gifts forth, all right? And so we want the right foundation for you and I, and that we are living in the Spirit and being transformed, which is being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That's the transformation that needs to be occurring is that you and I are becoming more and more like Jesus. And as that transformation is taking place in our lives, we begin to relate to and understand that, hey, indeed, I am a new creation. I am a new creature. The old things indeed have passed away. All things have become new, as the Bible says, and all these new things are of God. And the reason they are of God is because He has reconciled us to Himself through Jesus Christ. And so it's His work that is working in us to conform us to be more like Jesus. And that is the great transformation that is taking place. And it happens over a period of time. The Bible says that we are all sort of beholding the glory of the Lord, but we see Him sometimes uh, in, in a velded kind of way, all right? But as we become Christians, that veil is removed, it's taken away, and we begin to see God, and, and we begin to conform to the images of what we are seeing and perceiving, the revelations that are coming to us. And as we do, we are changing, all right? But that change is happening, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, by the Spirit of the Lord. So the Holy Spirit's intent and purpose is to change you, to make you more like Jesus. So everything that the Holy Spirit is doing, uh, this sanctifying work in our lives, um, is to, to create in us those beautiful, excellent things of the character of Jesus Christ. And so we are becoming more and more like Him. And so each step along the way, along this journey, it's not a question of whether or not I am changing so that I'm better than my brother or my sister or I've improved more than my brother or my sister or I'm further along than other brothers and sisters. So there's not this comparison thing that is happening in the body of Christ, but rather we're saying, okay, how far have I progressed since yesterday? 
from, 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 from the last revelation that I received, from, from last Sunday's message, from, from the teaching I got in Bible study, from my discipleship class or group that I'm in. What has happened? What has changed? How have I transformed and conformed more to the image of Jesus Christ? So it isn't about you and I looking at one another. It's about all of us beholding the face of Jesus and then looking at ourselves to see how am I growing and how am I maturing and, and, and sanctifying. Because what we need to understand is that it is through the Spirit's work that we are transformed. And that's where we learn. We learn to love to do what we ought to do. All right? We, we learn to love to do the things of God. We actually start to enjoy them. We, that they begin to be something that we desire and that we long for, all right? And, and when we start to love the things that we ought to do, we glorify God with every part of our life. Then. Our lives become a, a, a flourishing where God is glorified. This is why the Bible says it doesn't matter what you eat or what you drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. In other words, just live your life. Here's such a... A defeat, I think, for a lot of us as Christians. We want the high moments. We want those spectacular, hyper-spiritual moments where it's just amazing with God, and we want to live in that place. Well, that's not where we live. We, uh, we ascend to those places from time to time, or God brings those moments down to us from time to time, and we get to experience those uh, throughout our lives at various unique nuances of life, all right? And that may be a really down place, or it may be a really high place, but God can speak to us in those places. But we want that because we, we feel God there, all right? There's, there's an emotional co connection that we have with God in that moment. But that isn't every day. That isn't all the time. And so you and I have to learn how to live and glorify God in the simple things, whether you're eating or you're drinking or whatever you're doing. Just enjoy it in God and glorify God. Allow the Holy Spirit to work through those moments and those encounters of life. Because you see, the primary work of the Holy Spirit, as we said earlier, is to conform us into the image of the very Son of God. And that's where we want to be living, is in that place of being conformed. Um, and here's how he does that. Uh, he takes every situation, he takes every circumstance. We said this last Sunday. Uh, he, every, everything that you encounter, every person with whom you come into contact, he uses all of this to mold you and to shape you into the image of Jesus Christ. And so this is how we can say that all things do work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Because God will use every situation. The intent is that the Holy Spirit will pursue you. The Holy Spirit will move in your life and pursue you at all times, in all situations, in all circumstances. All right? And so we want to allow that work. Not only allow it, but we want to cooperate with it. All right? It's one thing to say, okay, I'm not going to resist the Spirit. You know, we talked at the initial uh, point of this series, we talked about uh, not quenching the Spirit. And one of the ways you quench the Spirit is to just fold your arms and have a pity party and say, I'm not going to be a part. I'm not going to cooperate, remember? Uh, and, and little children do that. And so uh, that, that's the way we can act sometimes as God's children as well. 
But this isn't a matter of just saying, well, I'm not going to get in the way and I'm not going to stop the Spirit, but I'm just not going to participate. This isn't that. We can't just sit back, all right? We can't resist in that fashion because God is pursuing us. And so it's, we can't just be there. We have got to get involved, all right? We have got to cooperate. So I don't want to be a church that is observing what the Spirit is doing across the city or in the community or the neighborhood or even in someone else's life across the aisle from you. I want us to be a church where we are all cooperating with what the Holy Spirit is trying to do in our lives and through our lives and that we're all willing to walk with one another wherever that might be. Not all of us are in the same place But we have the same God and the same Spirit is moving among us and using us together corporately for the kingdom of God. So I said I would like to talk to you this morning about some of those ways that that transformation takes place, all right? Uh, And so uh, very quickly here, I'm going to try to to do that and, 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 and let you get out of here, okay, and have some cake, all right? So this is like part two this morning, okay? How does the Spirit transform us and how do we cooperate with that? Uh, One of the ways I believe that we need to do this is by um, allowing the Holy Spirit to have an impact or an effect on our affections. That's not a word we use a lot in in our day-to-day life, affections. Um, But I think it's a good word for us to use here. Um, And it's in several of the translations of the scriptures. But affections is, is I think, a, a wonderful word because in our culture we use words like feelings and emotions, all right? Um, and oftentimes, that's right where we live. We live in our feelings. We live in our emotions. Um, but I think affections is a better word for us to look at here when we talk about allowing the Spirit to affect our affections, not just our emotions or, or our, our feelings here, okay? Affections refers to uh, someone's, like, disposition or are their inclination to respond in a, in, a, in a way that is sort of predetermined? All right, so, so in other words, I have a great deal of affection. My wife is not sitting here, but this is where she sits, okay? Uh, but I have a lot of affection for my wife. Therefore, I predetermine how I will behave around my wife. I decide how I will treat her. I decide how I will respond to her. I decide how I will uh, come around her and, and be with her, all right? Um, now, the guy who cuts off me at the intersection at Louise and 49th Street, I don't have an affection for that guy, all right? And so I don't have a predetermined, decided way sometimes to approach him. And so I might say something, you know. And some of you have, you know, words, our fingers for those kinds of people, you know. And the rest of the community is watching you when you do that, all right? But we don't have our affections in line. We don't have a, a temperament over them, all right? And so they get to just, just run free because they're just emotions. They're just responses, if you will. See, feelings, on the other hand, are just, they are merely psychological responses to external events. So because you work out of feeling, you respond out of feeling, all right? So whatever comes against you, all right? So, but see, affection is towards somebody. Feelings are emotions, not necessarily so. Affections always have an attachment. Feelings and emotions don't necessarily have an attachment. They can actually have a detachment. 
All right? And so when we choose to walk in the Spirit, we choose to walk in affection towards God and the things of God. We choose to walk in affection towards one another as sons and daughters of God in the family of God. And we choose to walk towards and have affection for those who do not know God with the intent that they can know God and God just might use us to introduce him. And so we live in this place where there is this attachment to the greatest value on the earth, and that is the lives of individual people. All right? And so we want God to, to, to by the Holy Spirit, to affect our affections. We want the Holy Spirit to impose, if you will, spiritual affections over our human feelings. Some days you and I just don't feel like being fruit. And we want to jump up there into the first list. The first list is not the preeminent list. Paul just gets, he identifies all that stuff, stuff so you can identify yourself. And then he gives you the answer, all right? That, that is contrary to all of that, and that is the fruit of the Spirit. This is the way that we should be living. So the fruit of the Spirit, they, the, the, these, these facets of the Spirit, they act in response to our new nature. So you shouldn't be acting the way you used to. So if you used to have comments and expressions and, and, and actions for the guy who cuts you off, you no longer should have that. You should be responding in a different way because the Spirit is working through you and you are becoming more and more like Jesus. See? And sometimes these, these human feelings, they encourage us to act according to our old nature, not our new nature. In, uh, in her book, The Hiding Place, Corrie ten Boom tells a story, and I think it's one of the best stories to illustrate what I'm trying to say to you. Um, she writes this. She says, It was a church service in Munich that I saw him, the former SS man who had stood guard at the shower room door in the processing center at Ravensbrück. What an awful, shameful experience that had to have been. He was the first of our actual jailers that I had seen since that time. And suddenly, it was all there. The room full of mocking men, the heaps of clothing. He came up to me as the church was emptying, beaming and bowing. How grateful I am for your message, Fraulein, he said. To think that, as you say, he has washed my sins away. His hand was thrust out to shake mine. And I, who had preached so often to the people at Blumenthal, the need to forgive, kept my hand at my side. Even as the angry, vengeful thoughts boiled through me, I saw the sin of them. Jesus Christ had died for this man, and I was going to ask for more? Lord Jesus, I prayed, forgive me and help me to forgive him. I tried to smile. I struggled to raise my hand. I could not. I felt nothing, not the slightest spark of warmth or charity. And so again, I breathed a silent prayer. Jesus, I cannot forgive him. Give me your forgiveness. As I took his hand, the most incredible thing happened. 
From my shoulder along my arm and through my hand, a current seemed to pass from me to him, while into my heart sprang a love for this stranger that almost overwhelmed me. And so I discovered that it is not on our forgiveness any more than on our goodness that the world's healing hinges, but on his. And when he tells us to love our enemies, he gives us along with the command, the love itself. Isn't that powerful? Oh my goodness, that is outstanding. And that is unique, all right? That, that wasn't just something you read in a book and get as a technique to follow, but something happened that she realizes, recognizes, and is able to articulate, and that is when I began to step out in the Spirit, when I began to obey God rather than my own flesh and my own emotions and my own desires, and I did what I didn't feel even I could do, then God came in. The Holy Spirit moved, and I even felt it. It was like a bolt of current going down my arm and touching that man's hand. And there I could do what I could not do because the Spirit of God in me was able to do it on my behalf. That's that's where you and I must live. That's that's where we must come to as God's people to be able to to not go back to the former list, to not go back to to the former place, but to live out of this newness, this new creation that is in Christ Jesus that is born out through the power of the Holy Spirit. So we walk in the Spirit when we allow the Holy Spirit to affect our affections and turn our hearts towards those things that we need to be attached to And we are faithful in obedience to what God is calling us to do. Another thing that I think happens in this transformation is that when we are walking by the Spirit, it means that we are allowing the the Spirit to illuminate our intellect. And and I'm not going to, like, I I don't want to vilify any any organization, any church, any individuals or anything like that. We all have seen misuses and abuses of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to make sure that this sermon series is not about that, all right? So we're not going to go chasing, uh, you know, those kinds of things here. We're not going to uh, spend a lot of time in that, okay? But, but there, there are some things that have gotten out of hand in a lot of people's lives. We are a charismatic church, and we've experienced some of those things from time to time ourselves, okay? But here's what I want to say to you, all right, to be in the Spirit, to allow the Holy Spirit to do amazing and wonderful things, just like Corey Ten Boom described in her life, and for those to be a natural outflow of your life, my friend, you do not need to, and you should not check your brains at the door. All right, the Holy Spirit is all about illuminating your intellect. The Holy Spirit is all about working with you, all right, and to give you understanding and to give you revelation and to help you to live in the truth, and that truth will bear out your actions and your deeds, all right, and as the works of the Spirit manifest, they will line up with Scripture and with truth, all right, and so we need the Holy Spirit to illuminate God's Word. We need the Holy Spirit to give us God wisdom over man wisdom, all right, 
And we understand that the ways of God are higher than our ways. We understand the mind of of Christ is for us, but it seems so difficult to access it, doesn't it, sometimes? And we seem to get pieces and bits here and there. But God has given us uh, writings, and God has given us good people to teach us and to instruct us. And God has, above all, released the Holy Spirit to be our teacher and to teach us the things of the kingdom. And so we have to be like the disciples who were on the road to Emmaus. And they walked with Jesus, not even knowing it was Jesus. But when he left, they said to one another, did he not just open us up? <laughs> did, we, did we not just understand and, and hear and see? You know, something has happened. They were different because of Christ. And I don't want you to be afraid of an encounter with the Holy Spirit. I don't want you to be afraid of walking with Christ and expecting that, that in some way you have to dumb down or you, or you have to expect things that you can't necessarily uh, uh, accept, all right, because they don't make sense and they're weird, all right? I'm not talking about that kind of stuff. I'm talking about you just simply allowing the presence of the Holy Spirit in so that the Word of God doesn't be a dead letter to you. William Law said it, this way. He said, the word of God must, uh, without the present illumination of the Holy Spirit, the word of God must remain a dead letter to every man, no matter how intelligent or well-educated he may be. It, it, it's essential that the Holy Spirit is upon all of what you gain, what you, what you read about, what, what you learn. The Holy Spirit enlightens that. The Holy Spirit illuminates that. Can, can you get along with just learning, with just intellect? Can you live out of your mind? Oh, yes, you can. I'm not saying you can't do that, all right? But I'm saying that don't check your brains at the door, but, but get yourself educated. Get in the Word of God. Learn the Scriptures. Learn the truths. Read the early church fathers, all right? Uh, get yourself to a place where you have good understanding understanding, a good grasp, a good theology, all right, a, a good grasp of theology, all right, get in, get in there and, and do that, but then allow the Holy Spirit to illuminate the learning that you have. Let it work for you. Dwight Moody said once, he said, the Bible without the Holy Spirit is like a sundial by moonlight, all right, you got it, but you can't use it. Well, I'm not saying, I, I'm not, I wouldn't go quite that far, okay? But what I'm saying is there's so much for you when the Holy Spirit enters in and illuminates the Word of God. And there are too many of us that we're living out of our own intellect. We're living out of our own head, and we're, and we're seeking after knowledge. But knowledge alone, the Bible says, puffs one up. All right, I don't want you to stay there. I want you to be educated. I want you to be learned. I want you to be instructed. I want you to be diligent about the study of God's word. But I want you to give yourself to the power of the Holy Spirit and allow the Spirit to illuminate everything that you are learning and gaining in your life. And I believe that when we are walking in the Spirit, we're allowing the Spirit in to illuminate our intellect. I believe that God uses His word to conform our lives to His image but it's the Spirit that really reveals truth to us in powerful ways, and that enables us then to bring our behavior in line with the written Word. And that's, that's the key, you know. And uh, it's tough, I think, to live a life. It's hard to live a life where you just read Bible, but it's not illuminated. It doesn't bring change, and you just live out of that knowledge alone. All right? I believe that you need to live in the power of the Holy Spirit and let the Holy Spirit illuminate the truth that you're, that you're learning. One last thing and we'll be done here. 
I believe that walking by the Spirit means that you and I are allowing the Spirit to conform our conscience. And I would, I would pose a big question here to you and I. Is the Spirit in control of your choosing? Is the Spirit in control of the choices that you make, the decisions that you make? Let me ask you this. When was the last time you felt really convicted by the Holy Spirit? Either to do something or not do something. When's the last time you just really got a check, as they say, you know, and you were like about to do something and you just felt like, I should not do that. That's, that's not what God would want me to do. That would not please the Lord. Or when's the last time that God really just spoke to you in your spirit in some way, an impression, a thought, a feeling or whatever, and, and, and you were like, oh, I need to do that. I need to act on that. But it seemed too hard or you didn't want to do that. And so in some way you justified yourself around it and skirted uh, what God wanted you to do. God is very impressionable <laughs> in, in the sense that he, he puts impressions in us. There, he, he, that's, that's the way he works off. Let me, let me tell you a story. Um, I'm, I'm trying to be really mindful of the time, but I want to tell you a story. Okay. Years ago, when I first became a Christian, I was working in a carpet mill in South Georgia. I worked the night shift, all right? So I'd go in at like um, about uh, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, um, and I would work like um, until about uh, 7 o'clock the next morning. All right. Uh, sometimes I'd work 12 hours straight through through the night and into the next day. All right. So it was quite a quite a demanding kind of, of, of job. And, and I worked um, five days a week, sometimes six. I was young. I was single. I loved the overtime. So I was working all the time. So every evening I'd fix myself a meal. I would eat that meal. Um, I would get me a big cup of coffee uh, or something pop, coke, whatever, and I'd head down the road. And I'd just, um, the, the carpet mill was 30 miles from where my home was. So I got everything in the car, and I just turned the music on and just headed down the road. That was my time, all right, just to, just to go and be by myself. One night, it's in the cold. It's February, and uh, it's, it's just bitter cold in Georgia for some reason uh, that year. And I'm driving down the road, and I see a car parked on the side of the road. And I was like, oh, that's too bad. Tough for them. And uh, I'm just going along. And uh, I get closer and closer to that car that's parked on the side of the road. And I realize that there's a guy standing outside of that car. He's just standing outside by the, sort of like by the back door of, of this four-door car. Back in those days, cars were big. Um, and they were wide. And, and, and uh, he was just standing there. Uh, as I got close to him, I really felt like, like God said to me in my heart, you need to stop and help this person. And as I got closer, I was like, oh, my goodness, I've never had to do this before, and I'm not sure about this. And as I got closer to him, uh, this guy, um, he, he looked more like a Texan than a Georgian, all right? Uh, I'm saying that for Michael's benefit over here, okay? Um, but big hat, big belt with a big old buckle. I mean, everything about him was, I'm a man, and I'm tough, and I'm mean, Big old cowboy boots, you know, and he's just standing out there in a short sleeve shirt with his burly chest kind of half open, and I'm just going, oh, my goodness, I cannot do it. This man will kill me. This, I, I will die if I do this. I will die tonight. And I drove by. I just, I just kept on going. The impression was so strong, and I was like, I can't do this, but I can't go on. And I turned around. 
I shared this at, at the table on a Wednesday night with my, my little group. But I, I had to turn around. And so I'm, I'm driving back towards home now, you know, and I go driving back by, and sure enough, he's still standing there. And this time he's like, he looks at me. I know he's looking at me. Like, I know he's got a plan for my life, you know, to end it. And, uh, and so I drive on by. I don't stop. I just drive on by. And I'm like, well, I got to turn around and go back because I got to go to work. So now I turn around again, and I'm heading back towards work, and I'm driving by him. And I said, uh, God, uh, you've really got to do something here. You know, if, if, if I am supposed to stop, uh, I, I'm, I don't know what to do. I'm scared to death. Um, and uh, he, he was sitting in the car, and I thought, oh, okay, he's fine. He's inside. He's in the car. He'll be fine. And I drove on by. <laughs> and then it's like, immediately, it's like God's like, he's sitting in the car. You know, he's probably trying to get warm, you know. And uh, I said... I have to do this. I have to do this. Turn around again. <laughs> Drove back by him again. Drove all the way by him. I'm looking to see if he is in the car, and he's in the car. And I realize when I look closely, there is someone else sitting on the other side of him in the car, and I go, there are two people in that car. Two people will kill me twice as fast as one will. <laughs> and I turned the car around, and at that moment, it was like the Holy Spirit said, this is for you to do. I had left early. I had my drink. I had my food. I was going to, you know, just hang out for a while in the break room. And I turned around, and I drove up, and I pulled up behind that car. And that man got out of that car. And I've never seen anyone look so mean as I thought that man looked. Everything about me was thinking out of my flesh. And I look at that man, and he starts walking towards me. And I'm like, oh, my God, I just want to run. Like, I want to just put this car in reverse and just skid out of here. And he walks back, and I thought, well, I'm, I'm not going to get out of the car. Uh, I'll stay in my car. And uh, he walks right up, and he just looks down at me through the window. And I roll my window down. In those days, you did like this, okay? So you could go really slow. And I'm slowly rolling the window down. And he looks at me, and he goes, thank God you stopped. We've just been praying that somebody would stop. I said, are you hurt? <laughs> and he goes, no. I was like, great, okay. And I go, what's wrong? And he goes, well, the car just stopped. The car just died. And I said, so you're out of gas. I'll, I can go get you some gas and bring it back to you. And he goes, no, there's gas in the car. I don't know what it is. And I'm like, great. I'm gonna have to get out of the car. And I said, okay. I don't know anything about cars. You know, can I can I go get somebody and bring them to you? And he said, well, could you just put my family in in the car with you? And he and he. I said, oh, so you have a wife. That's your wife in the car with you, you know. And he goes, yeah, but I got twin infants in the back seat, and it's so cold, and we don't have any food, and I don't have any formula for them. And I'm sitting there going, God, I am so sorry. So sorry. You see, God, God will help you and I to understand things that we need to do or in some cases not do but he will he will prompt us and you and I and this is this is is my opinion it is so difficult at least for me in the area of my christian life to bring my will into control to conform to the will of the father 
This is my great battle, all right? This is, my, my, this is, this is where it just, it just hits sometimes because I'm strong-willed. I'm stubborn. I'm fleshy, all right? And I want, I want to do what I want to do. All right, all of that is working against me, but here's the biggest one. I am such a self-preserving person. I'm going to take care of me, and I want my way. And so because of that, sometimes it's hard for me, all right, to, to, to understand and even to respond to this spiritual tug of war that's going on inside of my life. And I think some of you can relate to that. Paul related to it. Paul, Paul said, I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh, for, for the willing is present in me. In other words, I, 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 I would... I want to follow God. I want to obey God. I want to do what God says. He says, but the doing of the good is not. And so he says, for the good that I want, I don't do it. But woe is me. I practice the very evil that I do not want to do. Man, can you just, can't you just feel that battle? Can't you just feel that, that, that thing that's going on there? All right, now, keep in mind, I did not just give you an out. All right? I, Paul didn't give you an out. I'm not giving you an out. All right? This isn't permission to say, oh, well, the heck with it, and just go do whatever you want to do uh, and, and, and let it go. No, no. Our will must be a, 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 an ever holy want to. All right? We've got to, we've got to get to that place where we are constrained by the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is bringing our behavior in line with the Word of God, God's teachings and God's spiritual promptings. This is why Paul says, be very careful how you live. Don't live unwise, but wise. Otherwise you become corrupt. And see, the world, that's what the world is doing. The world is trying to corrupt you and I. I've got to finish this sermon. But transformation is for every child of God. And, and it has to happen. It has to be a part. It has to mark us, all right? There's no shortcut to learning how to walk with the Spirit. It's, it's not just for ultra-spiritual people. Uh, it's not reserved just for charismatic Christians, all right? Uh, life according to the Spirit is not simply trying to do the right thing, nor is it trying to, to live according to God's law. Walking in the Spirit is, is this amazing, beautiful kind of central metaphor, if you will, um, that describes what it means to live as a Christian. And the person who is walking according to the Spirit, you in fact have the essence of God's law already fulfilled in your life. And you're setting your mind on, on the things of the Spirit and not the things of the flesh. And, and so even though the question like jumps up there and, and we wonder, how, how am I going to overcome? How do, I, how do I pull the flesh in? It, it, it sounds like that's some kind of unattainable riddle, um, but it's not. Think of it like this. It's like you have a glass and you, and you say, okay, how can I get all the air out of the glass? I, I, I can't do that. Yes, you can. You get the air out of a glass by replacing it with something else. You put something in it. All right, how do you get the flesh out of you? You put the spirit in you. All right, you begin to let the spirit flow and, and, and enter and you seek and desire to be filled with the spirit of God. That's what, that's what the command is, that we are filled with the spirit of God. 
And so we begin to, to live out of that, all right? And here's what I want you to understand. The Holy Spirit is everywhere present. As God's children, uh, you, are, you are constantly within the caring and the, and the loving circle of God's concern for you. You're never, ever outside of that. Despite disobedience, despite rebellion, he continues to, to own you, all right, to, to have you. All right? You are his, all right? And, and, and if we try to run away from him, he runs alongside of us, all right? If we attempt to hide from him, um, he's waiting in our hiding place for us, all right? Uh, the beauty of the truth of God is that he is ever there. He never stops pursuing you as his child. Even when you're wayward and running or whatever, his intent, he's probably running right along beside you, all right? He's going to be there when you get there, and you're going to encounter him there, even though you were trying to get away from him, all right? He's that shepherd that loves you and walks through your lonely and dangerous places. Um, he is, is there to, to, to just put you on his shoulders as the shepherd puts the sheep on his shoulders. Um, I just want to close today with, with, with you and I just understanding that this God is pursuing us regardless of where we're at or not at, all right? And, and he wants nothing more than, than to be with you, to be close to you. He desires you. This isn't something where he's pushing you away or, or he's giving you ultimatums or he's trying to, trying to trick you or, or, or to, to in some way mess with you or frustrate you. God's intent is to love you with such open arms and the Holy Spirit has come so that you can have a comforter and a teacher and one who will help you to pray and one who will, re, who will reveal the love of Jesus to you and help you conform to that image of Christ. That's where we live. That's where we need to land today, all right? We've got to stop, all right? Um, we're going to have a gospel presentation this morning. Uh, will you come quickly and let's do that? Um, and uh, I, I want very much uh, for you to uh, just open your hearts right now to what um, Yvette is going to say to you. Um, but listen, folks, I want us to get a good, a good visual of God today. That he is a father who loves you with an unconditional waiting love. And he wants to draw you to him through the power of the Holy Spirit. All right, Yvette. Um, Pastor Bill did a wonderful job, as he always do, um, encouraging all, each of us to live according to the Spirit. But how do we start living according to the Spirit will be to put down, to put to death the flesh. But how do we start doing that? will be to acknowledge the creative work of God, the redemptive love of God, and the renewing love of God. The creative love of God started when God created heaven and earth, and he created men and women, set them in the garden, and they live in perfect unity with him. But their world, just like yours and I, got interrupted by sin. And the only way God could have a relationship with men again was to die. The Bible says that the, punish, the punishment of sin is death. So God looked at his redemptive love. So he sent his uh, only son who was unblemished, who was perfect, who was sinless, to come to live among us and to die on the cross so that we can have eternal life. And he didn't just stay dead. He rose again. And that's the renewing work of God. He rose again, 
And God is inviting each of us to embrace that, to know that there is hope. Do we will die, we'll live again. And we can do that because Jesus died on the cross for you and I. And that's my invitation to each of us. If you are here today, your world has been interrupted by sin, there is hope. And that is what Jesus is calling us to do, to live by the Spirit, to put down the flesh. And you can do that this morning by receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I will invite or maybe do something different. If you would like somebody to pray for you, you can stay seated and a member of the prayer team will come to you, sit with you and pray for you. And if you, after I pray, if you don't want to, that to happen, you are free to go. Please pray with me. Father, you are indeed a great and marvelous God. The knowledge of you is freeing. The knowledge of you is empowering. The knowledge of who you are, God, allows us to be who we are in you. We find our identity in you, God, and that's where we want to be. This morning, oh God, you call us to live according to the spirit, to put down the flesh, to put down its desires, and we desire to do so, oh God. May you convince us, oh God, wherever we are in our walk with you, that it can always get better. It can always improve, oh God. Humble us. Allow us to show the world, oh God, that we know who we are. We've sinned against you, but we can be forgiven. We can be reconciled with you, God, and, and live a full and blessed life. So will you allow us, oh God, to be your light? And as we depart from this place, O oh God, may you lead our path, O oh God. Give us, O oh Father, to remain under your umbrella of hope, your umbrella of freedom, and your umbrella of love. In the mighty and powerful name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.